Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day. Hope you had a good weekend. We have a lot to talk about today, kicking off a new week. We'll talk weather with DTN senior meteorologist Bryce Anderson. A lot of farmers looking to get to the fields or back to the fields this week, but we have an interesting uh, uh, weather map to talk about today with Bryce Anderson. Also, we're going to look back at Friday's WASDE numbers. Mac Marshall with United Soybean Board will join us to go over those numbers and news late last week as well that the Philippines will be opening up to more pork, which could mean more pork sales from the U.S. That's already a good market. Could be an even better one. We'll talk with Maria Ziba with the National Pork Producers Council. But we always look forward to starting things off with Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thank you for joining us. And we have uh, budget proposals from President Biden that kind of gives us an idea some of uh, the priorities for this administration. And when we look at it from an Ag Department standpoint, the uh, outline released late last week included a $3.8 billion increase for the Ag Department. A lot of that going towards greenhouse gas uh, emission reduction and making farms and forests more uh, resilient to climate change. What are your thoughts on those numbers and what they tell us? Well, thank you, Mike. It's always a pleasure to be with you and start out this week. As you know, these budget plans are pretty much a list of priorities to signal to Congress these are the things that are of highest importance to the Biden administration. Oftentimes, they are lacking in detail, and this one would fit in that box as well. There's some really broad brush proposals, uh, but we do see directionally that they're very consistent with what the Biden team has expressed uh, as a priority, and that is to look at climate change and environmental justice. So, for example, within that climate change bucket are several things that I think producers have been looking for, too, and that is uh, a boost of about 20% in agricultural research to look at the tools and the science behind trying to do better with conservation planning and uh, development of stewardship and environmental services that can help farmers do a better job of, of being great stewards that were established during the Obama administration and some money, about $400 million, to help uh, rural electric co-ops transition to cleaner energy sources. So you see quite a bit of this climate and clean energy messaging behind the budget proposals. At the same time, one of the biggest boosts went to the Environmental Protection Agency, which got an increase of 21, a little over 21%, uh, to, to restore their staff capacity, as well as uh, almost $2 billion for programs to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and also a focus on environmental justice. So it's not just USDA that is looking at this increase in funding. It's other federal agencies as well. So a lot of proposals, few details, but uh, that's kind of, what, as you said, that's the way these things go. Um, this is kind of a wish list. This is what the administration would like to see. That doesn't mean it's going to happen, right? Well, absolutely. They rarely happen as proposed. But you'll hear a little bit more from Secretary Vilsack on Wednesday. 
he's going to testify before appropriators about this uh, fiscal year 22 budget proposal. So hopefully he'll get into a little bit more of adding some details to to this broad brush statement, and, and we'll have a chance to learn more. But Congress will need to ask, act on these. These are discretionary spending proposals. They do not affect mandatory spending. And so um, programs like conservation and rural development, and you know, those are the areas of food safety, animal plant health. These are the areas that are in this discretionary budget that could be impacted. Um, so, just one more thing, Mike. I, I think that some of your uh, listeners would be interested in the fact that there's also a little bit more money for um, the capacity of small and regional meat processing establishments, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that Congress has been embracing as well. Yeah. So there's a lot in there, and the administration will send their people out to to sell the uh, the budget uh, proposals. At the same time, they're out there trying to sell still the infrastructure plan. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of promotion going on, and you probably saw today that they released state-by-state impacts of what could be including, included in this $2.7 trillion infrastructure package. And there's a meeting today at the White House between four Democrats, four Republicans, and President Biden's staff to talk about how they might get to bipartisan agreement on the infrastructure package. I think it's a big stretch for a lot of Republicans who don't like the corporate pay-for of uh, tax increases uh, from 21 to 28%, and also the size of the package. Uh, but it does include uh, this attempt at bipartisanship, which I find uniquely interesting over the weekend. A lot of the definition was to get bipartisan buy-in from Republicans, not necessarily those who are serving in Congress. So uh, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, wordsmithing going on that is uh, involved in trying to promote this package. But as we've talked before, uh, President Biden and members of Congress can push this through budget reconciliation and you know, might not need any Republicans if Joe Manchin goes along with them, the senator from West Virginia who's been a, a real... Uh, a moderate voice in, in trying to get to bipartisanship. So you've got all these spending proposals out there. You've got concerns over paying for them. Uh, you've got inflationary concerns that could come along with this. And at the same time, you have people saying and pointing out, uh, as we get through the pandemic and start coming out of that, the economy's kind of going to re- rebound on its own anyway. Do we need to keep throwing so much money out there? Not that there isn't a need for some, obviously, but does it have to be this much? Yeah, I think that's a very valid concern for so many people. And as you've heard from folks that are looking at monetary policy and, and, and expecting to be this big rebound after people can get back to work and and businesses can open again. I don't know about your neck of the woods, Mike, but it's hard to find workers here uh, getting enough people to get the work done. So I, I think that they're very consistent with that expectation of a big boom. And if that happens, um, a lot of people will be asking those same questions about why do we have to spend so much federal money to stimulate an economy that's ready to take off. But as you pointed out, it may be a position where they may talk about bipartisanship, but when one party's in a position to push a lot of things through without it, uh, a lot of this may happen anyway. 
Yeah, they can go ahead through budget reconciliation. They've already had the ruling from the Senate parliamentarian, and so um, it just depends on that balance of, of how much there is an interest to really seeking bipartisanship, and certainly Republicans can't keep saying no to everything either. Uh, there has to be that middle ground if they're really going to strike a deal. It's interesting for sure. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Always good to talk with you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Have a good week. Sarah Wyatt, editor, president of AgriPulse Communications. Well, uh, some field work got done last week before the rains hit. Others have been waiting to maybe get going this week. What does the weather forecast look like? We know some places, they have snow. Much cooler weather in other places. Bryce Anderson breaks it all down for us next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to chill. First, keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Use an appliance thermometer to be sure things are cool. Then, chill leftovers and takeout foods within two hours and divide food into shallow containers for fast cooling. And always thaw meat, poultry, and seafood in the fridge, not on the counter, and never overstuff the fridge. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. 
For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Uh, we're joined now by DTN Senior Meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, uh, good to talk with you again. Welcome back as we take a look at uh, the weather picture for this week. It looks like it's uh, kind of a cooler feel than we've had uh, the last week or so. Uh, definitely is, Mike. Uh, there's a big old trough that's uh, kind of parked uh, close to uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota this morning in the upper atmosphere that is a real uh, below-normal temperature maker for the entire uh, central part of the country. Uh, we're getting colder air, leading to snow in the northern plains up into the Canadian prairies. Uh, some uh, cold, chilly rain over the uh, northern Midwest developing, and um, Later this week, uh, we're going to just uh, have uh, those uh, below-normal temperatures spread all the way from the Rio Grande Valley in Texas, clear to the prairies, and uh, from the Rockies uh, practically to the Ohio Valley. And um, I don't think it's going to be a a real threatening uh, cold wave or anything like that. But, boy, I tell you, it's going to be chilly enough that field work is probably going to be held back some, and there is going to be a slowdown in, in how the uh, winter wheat crop is uh, developing. And, uh, you know, early row crop uh, development is also going to be, I think, a little bit slower because of that. Like I say, I'm not looking for a real hard freeze, but it's overall going to be cool enough to uh, keep a lot of uh, crop progress uh, fairly minimal uh, because of this kind of a uh, scenario that we have. Even though there's been some moisture in, across the, the Midwest and in some areas uh, out west that have been dry, overall that drought monitor map still looks uh, concerning. Well, uh, yeah, there's no question about it. Uh, you know, there certainly is uh, a lot more crop area drier this year than a year ago. But a year ago, we were coming out of a record precipitation year in uh, 2019. And, um, there, there are a couple of uh, real extreme drought areas here in the uh, continental U.S. that are very prominent. Uh, one is in basically the western half of North Dakota, and I'm talking extreme drought now. Uh, another one is in West Texas, kind of that southern Texas panhandle, and then west uh, into uh, New Mexico uh, with um, a, uh, some pretty good-sized areas in the remainder of the northern plains and in uh, parts of the Great Lakes with at least abnormally dry soil moisture. And there still has not been a complete um, drawdown of uh, drought issues in uh, that northwestern Iowa, southwestern Minnesota area either uh, from how dry they got last uh, summer. So, yeah, there's, um, there, there certainly is a lot of uh, fairly dry ground. Uh, one one thing to uh, note is that when we do get precipitation, it's likely to go right into the soil profile. Uh, so flood concerns have been pretty well dialed back, except for the Delta, maybe uh, the lower Ohio Valley. 
um, otherwise, uh, whenever any moisture is uh, is received, it just uh, goes right in because uh, we we are in need of uh, that moisture recharge over quite a few areas. Talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, I'm in Illinois. We saw a lot, quite a bit of field work the first half of last week, and then the rains came at the end of last week and into the weekend. Looks like a clear but cooler week ahead here. What about the eastern Corn Belt? Uh, what do you see ahead uh, there? Well, actually, the uh, the eastern belt, I think, is going to get along uh, fairly well um, with maybe some uh, some higher precipitation chances in the immediate Great Lakes. Uh, south of uh, the lakes area, it looks like a, uh, a lighter uh, rainfall uh, scenario. So I think that, uh, you know, that part of the Corn Belt is going to uh, get by pretty uh, pretty well, and uh, and have some chances of doing field work. The only the only thing that could uh, really slow things down from that standpoint, I think, would would just be the cooler temperatures we have this week, because that's going to probably uh, you know limit uh, the you know the um, the overall activity rate. Um, in the western belt, um, there's going to be hardly any uh, moisture in much of Iowa, in the southern Minnesota and then west across the Missouri into uh, northeastern Nebraska and uh, southeastern South Dakota. So uh, some of those uh, drier areas uh, are still going to be uh, kind of uh, deficient when you think about these uh, mid-April rain chances. It's an interesting pattern this week with uh, the moisture focus right along the northern tier in the far northern plains, and then uh, later in the week we're going to see activity in the central and south-central plains uh, but uh, otherwise, in between, uh, quite a bit of uh, drier conditions. All right, let's look out a little further. What about the last half of this month? When we get into um, the uh, 10-day time frame, uh, the pattern is turning uh, quite a bit drier uh, over just about all areas in both the 6- to 10-day and the especially the 8- to 14-day period uh, with widespread below-normal precip, in fact, um, you know, we look ahead to you know the uh, the week of April nineteenth uh, uh, through the twenty fifth. Um, only the state of Florida has a shot at above normal precipitation. So you know, any any moisture that we get during the next week is uh, going to be needed because after that, uh, the the payback, if you will, is not going to be that friendly. Uh, farther out into the month of May. Uh, there's going to be uh, an additional uh, generally drier bias uh, to this rainfall package, particularly in the southern plains and then in that real dry northern plains, Canadian prairies area. The west uh, stays on the dry side as well, and uh, only pretty much the east coast and uh, the Appalachian Mountains are in line for above normal precipitation during the month of May. So we will be needing moisture whenever we can get it uh, with this uh, type of a pattern. Yeah, something that we'll be watching closely and talking a lot about for sure. All right, let's uh, get an update on South America. How are things looking to get that uh, Safrina corn crop planted? There is, uh, well, the the planting rate uh, is not uh, going to be too much affected by uh, this upcoming forecast in Brazil because it still is looking pretty dry. Uh, less than an inch of rain uh, is in the forecast for central Brazil during the next week. And 
the next 10 days have pretty much uh, below normal rainfall, below to much below normal rainfall for Brazil and then just about all of Argentina as well. And um, Argentina got some rain here recently, including over the weekend. So I think they're in a little bit uh, better condition for um, late crops. And then obviously drier conditions will help out their harvest. But uh, this uh, winter corn, Safrina crop moisture uh, pattern in Brazil is not looking favorable. And I think that uh, the estimates, Mike, are, are still to be realized in terms of that crop impact because um, you get into early May with very little moisture, you're going to be right on the 30-year average date for the dry season to begin in central Brazil. And once that happens, everything just pretty well shuts down when it comes to uh, widespread moisture. So uh, could we be seeing pineapple-looking safrina corn? It's not out of the question uh, the way things are looking at this point. So it sounds like 2021, moving forward, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, concerns over dry weather. There, There is a lot of concern about uh, dry condition potential, no doubt about it. Um, you know, both here in the States, I mean, we talk about how, how May is looking, uh, you know, kind of uh, biased uh, toward a below normal precip scenario. And uh, in South America, right now, uh, what's going on or not going on in Brazil for that rainfall uh, situation is um, is is showing uh, signs to me of uh, the driest in five years or the the biggest impact. Let me put it this way: the biggest impact on that winter corn crop in Brazil that I have seen for the past uh, five years. And uh, five years ago, that crop was a disaster because of how dry it turned out to be. And you know, we're kind of uh, we're we're kind of toying. Uh, with a a very similar situation right now. All right. We'll be watching that closely. As always, appreciate it. Bryce, good to talk with you. Thanks. You're welcome, Mike. Great to speak with you. DTN Senior Meteorologist Bryce Anderson. So you've got that uh, weather picture to look at as far as the production side. We're going to talk to some of the supply-demand numbers that came out uh, last week from USDA. Mac Marshall, Vice President, Market Intelligence for the United Soybean Board, will join us next with his analysis. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. One of the higher risk aspects of farming is crop protection application. With label changes, regulations, equipment maintenance, and drift management, it's a lot of risk. And a great way to manage it is to rely on your local FS and FS crop applicators. They constantly train to keep up with the latest label changes, regulations, and best practices. So your crop is protected and risks reduced. 
Contact your local FS to learn more about our custom application programs. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Soybean oil is trading lower, pressured by news Brazil is temporarily reducing its biodiesel mandate. Spring wheat is starting lower with rain in this week's forecast for Manitoba and the Dakotas. On the Board of Trade Kansas City, wheat may down 9 and a fraction at 577 and a fraction. Minneapolis spring wheat may down 15 and a half cent at 638 and three quarters. The July contract down 15 cents at 646 and a quarter. For corn, the May contract down a nickel at 572 and a fraction. The July contract down four and a fraction at 558 and a fraction. May soybeans trading 20 and a fraction lower at 1382 and three quarters. The July contract down 20 and a half cent at 1378 and a fraction. Cattle futures should not have fallen as they did on Friday, but traders became a little bit nervous and decided to take some profits with hedgers locking in good prices. Cash in both cattle and hogs is expected to increase as demand is strong. The trend remains up. In cash cattle country, last week's business took place mostly on Wednesday with a little cleanup on Thursday and Friday. Southern Live Deals had a full range of $118 to $122, mostly at $121. Northern Dress Deals had a full range of $192 to $196, mostly at $195 to $196 per hundredweight. April Live Cattle trading 15 cents lower at $123.27. The June contract up 15 at 122.70. For feeder cattle, the April contract trading 10 cents higher at 144.85. The May contract up 57 at 150.20. For lean hogs, the May contract $1.17 higher at 107.55. The June contract up 92 at 109.87. In the outside markets, the Dow is down 91 points. The NASDAQ composite down 68. The S&P 500 down 7. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Egg Network. I'm Kirsten Raw. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, USDA released its uh, supply-demand report on Friday. Some surprises in there. Uh, The estimated corn ending stocks number at 1.35 billion bushels, down from 1.5 billion bushels a month ago. Average trade gas was 1.39 Also of note, ethanol use and exports increased 25 million bushels. Soybean ending stocks 
stayed at 120 million bushels. Exports, though, rose 30 million bushels. And traders had expected ending stocks to be at 119 million bushels. So there were some surprises there. Let's look at this, especially on the soybean side. Mac Marshall, Vice, Senior, uh, Vice President for Market Intelligence for the United Soybean Board, joins us now. Mac, thanks for being with us. Uh, were you surprised that the uh, soybean exports number rose like it did? Yeah, honestly, Mike, that was uh, one thing that did kind of surprise me a little bit because we've seen a pretty, um, you know, significant tail off in export pace really over the last six to eight weeks. Not altogether surprising um, that part of that's just a seasonal factor. And, and this year, I think we have kind of a hyper seasonal factor because we had so many early sales early in the early in the marketing year, you know, when we saw even just a little bit of price appreciation, farmers are trying to take advantage of that when we have been coming off a couple of years of lower prices. Um, before, you know, prices really started to take off in the subsequent months. So, um, you know, it, that was a little bit surprising to see. But uh, if you look at some of the demand side of the balance sheets, uh, there were some, you know, upward revisions on utilization. Egypt jumped out to me. I think their utilization imports were up. That's been a really good market for us as well. So, you know, kind of triangulating all that together, uh, I think that's part of the rationale for it. But we've definitely seen a sliding pace in, uh, in exports uh, over the past couple months. Some are concerned we could run out of soybeans. Are you concerned about that? No, I think we've we, we've still got um, you know a, a little bit of buffer in uh, projected carryout. Um, you know, not a lot certainly, uh, but I think that we'll get to the finish line here. Uh, and and you know, in any given year, the U.S. does import a cursory amount of soybeans anyway. USDA has already uh, taken up that figure. It's usually in the 14, 15 million bushel range. It's at 35 million. So. Um, and, and that translates, I think, to about uh, 1 million metric tons. So, uh, you know, putting it all together, I think I think we'll get to the finish line here. You know, we're entering in the seasonal downtime uh, in crushing as a lot of uh, seasonal maintenance is going on. So we'll probably see crush figures come down a little bit, and that might provide some relief as well. Um, but, you know, I, I, there's room to get there. Uh, the question is, you know, as we go into the next marketing year, we're starting off from a very tight position. So what does that mean for us hitting the ground running uh, in terms of, you know, export and getting new product back into the channel? Uh, we've got a, you know, lower than expected area coming in, and uh, that's obviously got implications for, you know, continued tight balance sheets. We're talking with Mac Marshall, Vice President, Market Intelligence for the United Soybean Board. What did you make of the uh, USDA estimates for South American soybean production? Well, uh, you know, Argentina uh, maintained 47.5 million metric tons. It's been revised down a bunch over the last couple months. Uh, the trade was generally expecting lower figures to come in. Uh, there are definitely some local market estimates that put her closer in that 43 to 44 million metric ton range. Uh, my view on this, uh, you know, right now, as of last week, I think the crop had been maybe 3% harvested. It's usually up in about the 16% range this time of year. So I, I think with uh, so little having come off the combines already, USDA might be adopting a wait-and-see approach. Um, I had a, a on our monthly webcast last night, Kevin uh, McNew from Farmers Business Network, and we were talking specifically about um, you know, these Argentine figures and, and where that can get trued up. And he related an anecdote from a couple of years ago in 2018 when there's a lot of dryness. We didn't really have a true sense of the Argentine crop size until June and July. So this, this might be um, a, a year in which we're looking at that. 
Flipping over to Brazil, um, seeing that number come up, uh, now recall last month USDA revised it up from 133 million metric tons to 134, taken up by another two this month to 136. Uh, of course, that's a, a record amount of volume. Uh, harvest in Mato Grosso is basically complete, largest growing state. Uh, harvest across the country is, uh, I think, about 85% complete at this point. So, you know, very, very strong volumes. Brazil brought some more area into production this year. Um, but with a lot of the moisture, um, you know, there's been a lot of uh, unfortunately timed rainfall uh, for Brazilian producers. And uh, yeah, I think there's still some concerns about what that means for moisture levels and beans coming off the combines now, particularly out of Mato Grosso. So the volume might be there, but uh, I think some of those uh, quality issues are, are still, um, you know, to be uh, to be seen. So let's look at U.S. production. Uh, we were surprised at the low number for uh, from USDA, what they thought would we see if, as far as soybean acres this year. Kind of surprised even on their corn number. But do you see the market buying more soybean acres? Well, not today. We're down uh, We're down 20 cents today across <laughs> across across the curve here. But you know, you kind of have those fluctuations in profit taking when. Uh, you know, the report on Friday wasn't, you know, providing new bullish information. So I, I don't think that's, you know, entirely surprising. And, you know, we're still trading in, I think, a pretty high range overall. But, yeah, there's there's certainly the, the potential. I think one of the things that's beneficial for American farmers right now is you look at all the principal row crops here, certainly corn, soy, and wheat, and, and all are, you know, getting very, very strong prices, certainly the, the highest in a number of years. And when farmers have the opportunity to, you know, price into, uh, you know, strong environment for multiple crops, that means more options. And I think that's a great thing. Um, you know, between now and when everything gets in the ground and we eventually get that acreage report at the end of June, you know, there, there's, of course, weather dynamics that have to come into play as well. Um, you know, if we have, a, you know, a disruptions early on, you know, that could shift some corn to soy. We've seen that happen in years past. I, I think most importantly is making sure that we get through this planting season without any adverse weather events, undue wetness, um, you know, which has uh, certainly been an issue the last two years uh, as a lot of uh, beans did not get planted, uh, particularly in the Dakotas. So, you know, fingers crossed that, uh that uh, field work uh, can continue unimpeded over these next couple of weeks. Yeah, more concerned this year about dry weather than wet weather. Yep, no, that's definitely true. Um, that's start, what we're starting to hear. I just saw a story, uh, story come across uh, my terminal here talking about uh, exactly that issue, some concern about going into uh, uh, reduced moisture levels um, later in the season as well. You know, we'll be looking uh, to make sure that we've got a good environment for, you know, crop development in that July August stage um, but uh, yeah to your point I mean it doesn't look like we'll see any of that wetness that we've seen from before but you know wet or dry both can have adverse impacts here so uh, we want to make sure we have favorable conditions overall. So for farmers making um, marketing decisions uh, how do you see this playing out and of course you have all the variables of weather for instance but uh, for, from a soybean perspective, how, what's your outlook? Well, you know, right now uh, you look at harvest time beans and we're trading, um, you know, we're, we're, we're in a comfortable range relative to where we've been before. I mean, harvest time beans trading for 1243 a bushel right now. Um, and, you know, I, I like to think that there's some potential upside to that. So let's go back to Argentina in that regard. Um, you know, there's potential for that crop to be reduced further. And then you look at some of the, 
I guess, outside factors that are impacting that market right now. Uh, the peso has uh, continually been uh, depreciating against the dollar, and farmers in Argentina, as the beans are coming off the field, are likely holding them back as a hedge against further depreciation of the peso. We've seen this happen before when there are restrictions in the supply being put onto international markets. Uh, I think, you know, this was really acute in 2015. Uh, we're seeing a recurrence of that right now. So what does that mean later in the year? Um, you know, when, uh, when potentially more beans could be coming onto the market or at least going through the facilities and crushing the meal and oil. Well, if there's a restricted supply there, then, you know, potentially um, later in the season when the world will be purchasing more and more Argentine meal and potentially some beans as well, well, that supply not there. You can see some buoying uh, upward on, um, on some of those uh, deferred contracts, which are going to coincide with the new crop uh, marketing year here. So I, I think there's, you know, uh, some potential upside. And again, if we have any, um, you know, scale up and export pace over the second half of this year, or, you know, if crush comes in more aggressive than we're expecting right now, obviously that's going to draw down carry out again. And I think, you know, uh, provide a potential boost for some of those deferred month uh, contracts. But, you know, overall, I think if we were to rewind a year and uh, go back to April 2020, and say, you know, you had the opportunity to price into beans that were trading between 12 and $13 for a new crop, uh, you know, everybody would take that. So I think there's a lot of good marketing opportunities, but that's not to say there isn't, you know, additional potential for upside down the line. Yeah, we think back a year ago, how things looked in April of 2020. We weren't expecting what we wound up getting around harvest time, right, when this rally started. No, not at all. And and why would we have reason to? We were uh, we had a, a local glut. Um, we hadn't really well. China hadn't really come back in in a major way as being a buyer. There's some seasonal purchases in late 2019. You know, in good faith, leading up to phase one. But you know, we didn't have uh, I think that international disappearance channel that has really drawn down inventories, um, which which was I think the big story last year. Um, now, you know, China's back in a big way. Uh, another uh, purchase of new crop beans uh, this morning coming across mm-hmm. Bangladesh's growth market. Um, so, you know, just putting all that together, it's a different environment for your last year, for the better. Yeah, it's amazing how it's changed. And good. I'm glad you mentioned that. I wanted, I wanted to mention that, too. More purchases uh, for both China and Bangladesh uh, today. All right, Matt, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Likewise, Mike. Have a great day. You too. Mac Marshall, Vice President, Market Intelligence for the United Soybean Board, joining us on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. 
So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Clean. Wash hands and utensils to avoid spreading bacteria when preparing food. Separate. Use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Cook. You can't tell it's done by how it looks. Always use a food thermometer. Chill. Keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel diesel that doesn't mess around. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy to listen to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best thoughts. You'll have a front row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts. 
Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, some good news last week on the... uh, pork export front the philippines which is already a pretty big customer for u.s pork announced it is lowering its tariffs to allow for more foreign supplies coming in as that country continues its fight against african swine fever the national pork producers council has been lobbying the philippines to make it easier for u.s producers to be able to uh ship more pork into that country, especially with its growing demand because of African swine fever. So um, that, that's good news. As I said, already a pretty good market for U.S. pork, and uh, now it looks like it could get even better. Since 2019, the Philippines has been uh, battling against African swine fever, and that has really cut into their domestic production. And prices, pork prices, have spiked there. And uh, that has created this opportunity for more pork exports into the Philippines. The Philippines uh, has a low tariff for imports when the uh, total is under the country's minimum access volume level. So it's essentially a tariff rate quota, and the tariff is higher when shipments rise above the quota, which was recently released to uh, or recently increased I should say to 404,210 metric tons. Joining us now to talk more about this is Maria Ziba, Assistant Vice President International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. So Maria, this is good news, right? A good market looks to get even better for US pork exports. Yes, we're very excited about this news. You know, we our producers are coming off the heels of some very tough years. And we've been working with the Philippines government to not only increase the quota, but decrease those tariffs. And this is a long time coming, and we're very excited about this announcement. So is it, re- is it all really around African swine fever? I mean, they were already buying U.S. pork, but how bad is African swine fever in the Philippines right now? Well, it's it's pretty bad. Um, it has really moved throughout the country, and this is you know the way that they calculated this was this is the demand that we're going to have because of of the decrease in in pork um, production. So you know they've at least had a, a decrease in four hundred thousand metric tons of, of production, and that's how they they have calculated that number on on the quota and how they've come to, to that number of increasing it to 400,000 metric tons. So pork is very popular there, right? That's a, that's a protein of choice in the Philippines? 
Yes, it's it's the protein of choice, and we've seen inflation in in their pork prices. Um, you go to the supermarket, and instead of being able to to buy pork per kilo, it's being priced at a half a kilo or quarter kilo, um, just so that the consumer doesn't get that sticker shock. And um, this is why the Philippines has taken on such a, a big um, a big increase in in the quota and a reduction in the tariff. Traditionally, the Philippine market is um, you know it's, it's difficult to get into. Um, there there's a quota system. There's high tariffs, um, and so this was a big announcement because um, it really means that that they're in need of of this pork product if they're going to make such a big impact. Who's our biggest competitor for that market? Well, right now, um, we're looking at the Brazilians, the Canadians, um, the Danish, pretty much anyone that is free of African swine fever. Um, the Philippines does not recognize regionalization, so they're looking at, at buying pork from countries that are free of ASF, and we're very lucky that we are free of ASF and we have a high-quality product that's safe. And um, now that the tariffs are low, we can continue to capture market and continue to export into the Philippines. And, and we're very excited about this. This is a big win for our producers. Yeah, big opportunity for sure. We're talking with Maria Ziba with the National Pork Producers Council. Maria, I know that you're holding your spring legislative action conference uh, fly-in uh, for later this week. Uh, what will be some of the, uh, the top items on that agenda? So the top trade priority for our producers is better market access into Vietnam. Um, Vietnam is, is a growing market, but we don't have a very good market access because we don't have a free trade agreement. Um, so we're only exporting about $54 million worth of pork, but they consume more pork there than, than in many other countries. So we're really looking for um, the new USTR to make a deal with the, the Vietnamese on reducing the tariffs and addressing some of those non-tariff barriers that we've had in that market for a number of years. Yeah, that, that's been frustrating, hasn't it, that we haven't been able to get more access into Vietnam? Yes, it's a growing market. They're big consumers of pork, and unfortunately, they also have been devastated by African swine fever. Um, so there is a tremendous opportunity in that market. It's just that we're paying really high tariffs compared to the other countries. I mean, even the Russians have better market access than we do in Vietnam. So it's it's uh, it's really difficult to to see that that you know we're at such a big disadvantage yeah it's it's hard to uh, explain that sometimes but it, it's not a level playing field right in some of these markets yeah the tariffs um, are you know we're paying almost double what our competitors in Europe in Canada and Mexico are paying um, and then we still have those non-tariff barriers. Um, as we continue to negotiate and talk to other countries, and specifically Vietnam, I think that there is certainly the opportunity for, for us to have better access. All right, Maria, good to talk with you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Mike.
Take care. Maria Ziva, Assistant Vice President, International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. We'll talk more about meat exports tomorrow with the President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.